I want to welcome you, join others who've welcomed you this morning. My name's Lloyd Shadrach, one of the teaching pastors alongside uh, Rob Sweet, our lead pastor. Those of you online, glad you're online. Uh, I say that to, to remind us, because we always have guests, uh, whether online or in the room, to, to remind you we're one church with two co- in two, congregate, two congregations or two locations, one, one church, two locations. Uh, Brentwood, uh, services are going on there right now. Uh, um, and then our Franklin congregation here. Um, uh, I'll be teaching at Brentwood next week. Rob and I go back and forth. So just to orient people to, if you see someone different in the pulpit next week, um, that uh, that's what we believe. And it's what we believe about team teaching. Forgive my voice. I, 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 my voice is about gone. I was in Knoxville last night uh, into the wee hours. My arm is sore too, by the way. <laughs> if you know what happened, that, that, that would make sense. Um, uh, but we didn't get in till super late. Oh my goodness. Um, and we even left a little bit early. But um, I'm excited about our message today. We continue our study through the book of Philippians. Now, you know that we teach through books of the Bible. And uh, we are in Philippians. And I'm picking up a passage that is, in fact, it's, it's, it's the second part of one message because of the section that we're in. And we're gonna take time today. We don't do it every week, but we'll take time today to respond. And I'll trust the Holy Spirit will will prompt you in in your own response to this word today. It's not what we learn, it's what we live that changes us. And so we always end our messages, of course, with that invitation to joy out of Philippians. If If that's true, then what do I do with that truth? This past summer, 26 states uh, jumped in and legalized gambling. Uh, and so, you know, kind of gambling moved out of Vegas, so to speak, and was widespread now. It's hard to miss. I don't know if you've got an app or anything on, you know, it's, uh, the, the, the money lines are always there, you know, FanDuel and, and every uh, MGM, every betting app, you know, it seems to be constantly uh, before us. Uh, in that vein, you may have heard of uh, the person, I don't know if it was a man or a woman, but they, they made a, a 16 uh a 16 parlay bet um, on the NFL games back in September. Now, what that means, a parlay bet is when you you bet not just that one thing's gonna happen, like I, I bet this team's gonna win. No, you, you bet multiple outcomes. So you, you bet this team's gonna win, then this team's gonna win, and then this is gonna happen. And hit, they had 16 of these. Now, when you line them up like that, you need all 16 things have to happen for you to win your bet. Does that make sense? So, so this person puts $25 that these 16 NFL teams will win over this particular Sunday and Monday. Put down $25 on the bet. If all 16 things happen, his payout is $737,000. Um, so, so Sunday, he's 15 and 0. All that's left is Monday night. Now, when I think of that, I, my mind is crazy and it goes here. I go, just, and you just imagine this with me. Can you imagine if, if on a Friday you knew every college and NFL football score? You knew on Friday what was gonna happen over Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I mean, the reality is you could, you could in those... Excuse me. In those three days, amass an unspendable fortune, quite frankly, just in those three days. 
I know some of you go, well, I wouldn't do that because I'm a Christian. And I go, well, give me, I'll make the bet for you. <laughs> and I'll give you part of the money. We'll split it. Um, but it's just, just <coughs> excuse me, just, just thinking about that, that if you knew what was gonna happen in the future, what, what that would mean for your today. Can you imagine? Now, Paul's gonna do something in this text where he peels back the curtains and y'all, he's gonna show us a day that's in the future. There is a day coming when he's gonna say, this will come and this will happen on that day. And it's something every human being on the planet who's ever lived will participate in. Knowing it, okay, knowing that's coming, it's not gonna, it won't win you $737,000. But it will get you so much more that a million dollars would look like a penny in the parking lot. You're going to your car today, you see a penny, you probably wouldn't even bend over to get it. It's not worth it. Oh my, there's so much more to be gained on that day. And I have to add, there's so much more to be lost. There's a lot, a lot at stake. Take your Bibles. If you have your Bible, take your Bible to open to Philippians chapter two. If you don't have one, grab one of these when you leave. We still have these booklets available. It's a Philippians booklet. It's the text in the ESV. Um, that you're gonna see today why Rob and I always encourage you not just to have your, you know, your ESV, because I write in this one. You can write in it, which is great. But not just to have that, but have your whole Bible because when we study books of the Bible, it takes us to other parts of the Bible. And we'll see that in just a few moments. Now, in light of the section we're in, we're in I'm gonna pick up verses nine through 11 in chapter two. Verses five through 11, it's one unit. And months ago, when Rob and I are planning out our, our messages, we decided then it, that, that, that one unit is so theologically dense. We can't take it in one message. And so we broke it into two. And it fits really beautifully into two messages. This is five through 11. So last week, Rob unpacked um, uh, five through 11 and everybody look at me, it's got a visual to it. And the visual is this, five through 11 is the descent of Christ. It's his humility. And Rob, last week, if, if you missed it, I wanna encourage you to go watch it. We always do this because he's an awesome teacher. And when we're teaching through books of the Bible, you've got to keep these messages connected. They all connect. And so in that message, Rob took us in through that descent of Christ. And he unpacked that one word, kenosis. It's that Greek word that means emptied, right? So it, it, it's really, really important. It's not that Jesus uh, gave up his deity, his, the, 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 the reality that he's God. He didn't give that up. It's he didn't use it to his advantage. Fully God, fully man, but did not use his deity to his advantage. But he, he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. You remember we gave everybody those little, um, those little sticker things? It was just a simple reminder just to go, take, take the low route, emptied himself. That's a model for us. And I took a picture of mine because I was trying to figure out where to stick, stick my deal. You know, I had it on the mirror. I had it here and there, but here's where I put it. So I put it right on the, right when I open my door, I look at it, keep me a humble driver, right? Go low, empty yourself. But a reminder to us, that's the model of Christ to go low. Now that's, that's five through eight, okay? Now we come to this passage today and we pick it up right here 
and five and nine, nine through eleven, and nine through eleven is the exaltation of Christ. So there's the descent, and then there's the ascent. You cannot separate these two. You can't just take this one. You do not just take this one. They remained locked together. And Rob beautifully described that descent when he quoted that song, which I wanna take us back to because it prepares us for our text today. That song, Lower Still, it's a song, the lyrics are profound where, where he takes us from, from the heavenly realm, Christ's heavenly realm to his, to his birth. He's a helpless baby. Now they've laid that small baby where creatures come eat like a meal for the swine who have no clue that he is still holding together the world that they see. They don't know just how low he has to go, lower still, lower still. And it takes us from the manger <coughs> to the cross. Beat his face, tear the skin off his back, lower still, lower still. Strip off his clothes, make him crawl through the streets, lower still lower still, hand him like meat on a criminal's tree, lower still, lower still, bury his corpse in the earth like a seed, like a seed, like a seed, lower still, lower still, lower still, lower still. It's, it's there we pick up our text today. Look with me in your Bibles at chapter two, verse nine. We're gonna note two things today in nine through 11. We're gonna note God's response and God's purpose. His response to Christ's humility and his purpose in Christ's humility. Verse nine, therefore, God responds to Christ's humility. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Now, I've, you know, I know, I know a little distraction, I set the ladder up and I have the ladder again, just to remind us in this text, this text has such visual cues in it, the descent and the ascent. And I have it here to remind us, you know, that imagine Christ, this, this ladder would have to go into eternity because Christ, you see, uh, has been, always will be eternally God, the Son. And so we'd have to go, you know, eternally high. But the picture of the text is this, that Christ from the realm of glory as, as, the, third, as the second person of the Trinity Christ Jesus, who though he was in the morphe, Greek word, the form of God, he, he did not count equality with God a thing to be held on to, right? So, so, we, so we know Christ, cho here's Christ, what Christ chooses is to step down. He steps down. He emptied himself. That's the kenosis passage. That's the, ver the, the, the Greek word. He, he emptied himself and he took the form. So he's, he is in the form of God, but he takes the form of a human being, not just any human being, y'all, but he takes the form of a servant. He's going low. Not just he takes the form of a servant, but the passage tells us, and he became obedient 
to the point of death. He just keeps going low. And not just any death, but death on a cross. And Rob reminded us last week, he descended to that place where he, out of obedience, died on a cross, which is the most humiliating form of death known to man at that time. Now, why would I do that and step down a ladder? Because I wanna perhaps put in your mind's eye an unbreakable principle in the Christian life, in the life of faith, and that is this. I'll say it at least these two ways. The way up is down. This is in life. This is our journey of faith. The way up is to choose down. And so I I want to encourage you in in terms of application. I want you to think about it this week. and And I hope this comes into your mind's eye. That in every interaction you have this week with any human being, any and every human being, I want you to think in your mind's eye, in this interaction, will I choose to go low or will I choose to go high? Will I choose in this interaction with my spouse or with a friend, or with a child or with a friend, or whatever I mean, will I gotta be right? They need to know what I... No, will I choose in every interaction that picture? Will I choose to go low? Because it's our choice to go low. God alone is the one who lifts up and exalts. But only those who choose, you see, to go low. He highly exalted him. Now, Rob said last week, and I'm glad he said it, because, you know, we're not always quoting Greek words or Hebrew words, and where useful, we would. And so this, I think this would be a place where it it could be useful. The Greek word is huperipso, highly. It's huperipso. And I only say that so that you get the huper, the first part, because that's where we get hyper, hyper which you know, hyper means above and beyond. So you see, it was an above and beyond exaltation, one scholar writes. The point is not that Yahweh is one stage higher than other deities, but that he is in a class by himself. He is truly the incomparable one. It's it's not like he's a little above Buddha. Jesus is a little above Buddha. He's a little above all these other deities. No, no, In in, in a... category unto himself. God the Father has hooper, hyper-exalted the Son to the place where there is no other and in a class by himself, and he, he bestows upon him the name that is above, same Greek word, hooper, that is hooper above every name, the name that is above every name, the name by which there is no other name greater. So what name is that that God bestows on the Son? That's what we pick up when we grab the second part. So we've looked at, so God responds to this descent of Christ, this humility of Christ. And now we're gonna look at God's purpose in it. Look at verses 10 and 11. So that, there's the, there's the purpose clause. Here's what's gonna happen. Here's why God did this and why God does this for the son at his humility. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
for this purpose, Christ in his humiliation chooses. God bestows upon him the name that is above every name for this purpose, such that there is a coming reality. And here's where I said, Paul does the unimaginable. He actually opens the curtain and shows us a future day that is so certain that many times the prophets speak of it in a past tense. It's like if I said, hey, the sun, I assure you, the sun's gonna rise today. You would say, Lloyd, the sun has already risen today. I go, I know that's how assured I am that the sun's gonna rise, that, but this is gonna be something in the future. It's that certain. So this day is not guesswork by any means. It is a reality that there's coming a day when two things will happen. Every knee will bow. So when we say every knee will bow, that is, think about it, to bow the knee is to submit to a greater authority. There's coming a day when every knee will submit to this, to a greater authority. Now, when he describes that, he puts it in three realms that the original audience would have heard and it would have made total sense to them because these are the realms that they were most familiar with in heaven. They wouldn't have had to think about it. We maybe have to think about it for a moment and I'll, I'll say what he means. He means in the heavenly realm, in the realm of angelic beings, fallen and unfallen, the realm of demons, the realm, Satan himself. So in, in heaven, on earth, that would be every human being that is alive at that moment. And then under the earth, that means they would know, oh, that means every human being who has ever lived, but who is now dead. It's, it's that inclusive. And he says, not just every knee will bow, but then he says, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus Christ is King. Now, when, when we read in our Bibles, the word confess, generally, uh, that word will be the Greek word homologeo. Now, again, I'm just saying this so that you'll get one particular part of it. To confess, homologeo is to agree with. I agree with you, God, that's sin. That's when we confess our sin. Yes, that's sin, I agree. But here, the Greek word is exomologeo. Exo, i.e., out of confess. And I say that to say on this day, that day that's coming, when every knee will bow and submit, <laughs> submit to the authority of Christ, they will also out of their mouths say, Jesus Christ is Lord. See what I'm saying? And I say that to say it won't be a thought. It won't be a nod in the mind. <clears throat> it will be an out proclamation out that all will say. Now, that day, we already know what that day is because Paul's already mentioned it. Look in chapter one, verse six. He says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus. Verse 10, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Y'all, that day is that future day when Jesus returns and sets all 
things right. So, there's coming a day when every angelic being, fallen and unfallen, every human being, every rational human being, rational human being who's ever lived in the history of the world will bow their knee and will say out loud, Jesus, you are king. You are who you say you are. Now, it's not a picture of universal salvation. That would be contrary to the whole of scripture, right? So you gotta, we gotta interpret the scripture in the whole. That would be contrary to all that God says about those who must put their trust in Christ, that, that the evil will be judged, that they are lost and saved. You know, and, and this context itself, I'll say more about this in a moment. It, it's a universal statement of recognition. It's a universal acknowledgement but it's not salvation for all. Now, verse 11, I asked earlier, what's the name? What's the, what's the name that God the Father bestowed on God the Son? It's easy to read this and go, well, it's Jesus. It's not Jesus. Jesus is his given name, his name at birth. The name God bestows upon Jesus is the name he gives Jesus at, at Christ's ascension, back to, the th- back to the throne of God, to take a seat at the right hand of God, and that name is Lord. We catch that in verse 11, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Here's the name that God the Father gives the Son. Now, to grasp the significance of this, here's where I wanna encourage you, and this is why we encourage you to keep, keep our Bibles with us. We need to go to the book of Isaiah. So I want you to turn there. I want you to turn. This will be to the right of Psalms and Proverbs that part of your Old Testament, I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45. The reason we go there is what Paul says in Philippians 2 about Jesus and what's gonna happen on that day is informed by Isaiah. In particular, Isaiah 45. Now, Isaiah 45 is one of the clearest statements of God's sovereignty and salvation in the whole Bible. And what I want you to do is I'm gonna hit a few verses, not all of them. I'm gonna hit a few, but I want you, if you mark your Bibles, I'd encourage you to do this, is every time I say the word Lord, you, you might wanna circle or mark that and I'll, and I'll tell you how, they, how it connects to Philippians. This is God the Father speaking uh, to Isaiah of his sovereignty, his control, that he's gonna save a people Chapter 45 of Isaiah, start in verse five. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Verse 12, I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens and I commanded all their hosts. Verse 18, for thus says the Lord who created the heavens, he is God, who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. Verse 
21, declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared it of old? What is it not? I, the Lord. And there is no, you just get it. There is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a savior. There's none besides me. Verse 22, turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is no other. And then the money verse, because it relate, shows us what's happening in Philippians. By myself, I have sworn from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall swear allegiance. Where did Paul get those words in Philippians? From Isaiah. So the Greek word for Lord, when we read our New Testament, is kyrios. It's a translation of the Hebrew word Adonai, which the Hebrews used as a translation of the name God gave himself, Yahweh. So afraid of saying it or writing it inappropriately that they they would translate it Adonai. And we see that as Lord in our Old Testament. So that, track with me. So when we read Isaiah and God says, I am God and there is no other. I am the Lord. I created the heavens and the earth. A word will go out and all will bow their knee to me, the Lord, Yahweh. You go to Philippians and Paul says, God the Father has bestowed upon the Son the name. Yahweh, <laughs> which only makes sense because there is, if you're gonna give him the name that's above all names, what's that name gonna be? It must be God. And with that, may I say, Paul just slams the door, locks the door, throws away the key on anyone who would deny the deity of Jesus, that Jesus was fully God. And do you notice this, that God the Father in humility lifts up the Son. And in lifting up the Son, God the Father's not diminished, not at all. No, Paul says, to the glory of God the Father. Y'all, this is the principle of humility in this kenosis passage that when we choose to go low, when we choose to be humble, we're not diminished. No, we're made more whole and God is more fully glorified. God the Father is not diminished by the exaltation of God the Son. He's more fully revealed in all that he is. Now, on that day, there will be two groups of people. There will be on this day, one group of people, one group of beings, I should say, because there will be angelic beings on that day who've never fallen. And there will be human beings on that day who in their lifetime said, Jesus Christ is Lord. In other words, said, Jesus, I I trust that who you are is who you say you are. You died on the cross for my sins. You were buried, you rose again. They, They put their faith in Christ. So on that day, those angelic beings who did not fall and all human beings who ever put their trust in 
Christ will bow the knee and will proclaim out loud Jesus Christ as Lord. And it will, day, it will be a day of glory. It will be a day of eternal joy as God welcomes all into his kingdom. There'll be a second group on that day. That's one group. So the second group will be fallen angels, angelic beings, Satan and demons and all human beings who in their lifetime never bowed the knee to Jesus, never put their trust in the finished work of Christ, never said, Jesus, you are who you say you are. You did what you said you would do. And when they do that, it will not be a day of joy. It will be a day of eternal despair. It will be a day when they proclaim what's true and all they will know that that's true, that Jesus is who he says he is. And they will know that forever, but will know that separated from God the Father. Now, I said earlier that when they do, when, when they, those, those who've not trusted Christ and fallen angels declare Jesus Christ is Lord, I said it's an acknowledgement, it's a recognition, but it's not salvation. Perhaps it'll help you if I, if I grab, grab the ladder again in, in this sense. This is not a trick question, but I really, you gotta think about it. If I said to you right now, um, only the people who put their trust in this ladder will go to heaven right now. So only the people who put their trust in this ladder will go to heaven right now. This, this is imaginary. <laughs> Um, how many people in this room would go to heaven? Somebody say it out loud if you think, you know, zero. Some say zero, some say one. I'm gonna say one. Who? Why me? Because I went up the ladder. See, think of it this way. So all of you can say, well, no, I trust in the ladder, Lloyd. Well, no, you haven't biblically. Biblical trust and faith, you see, is when you put your confidence in something, someone. So I'm the only one in the room who's truly, may I say, biblically trusted the ladder. Because you could sit there all day and say, Lord, I think it'll hold me. I think I can climb up it. I think it'll, but you've not trusted it biblically. I have, I am right now. This is what it means to put your trust in Christ. It means you go, I, I have no other hope than you, Lord Jesus. I put my trust and confidence in you. So when on that day, fallen angels, Satan himself, and all who've never put their trust in Christ, bow the knee and say, Jesus Christ, you are Lord, they'll say it because it's true. But they will not have put their trust in Christ. Does that make sense? So not a day of universal salvation. Which brings us to our invitation to joy. Every, every, you know, what we're doing is every week we say there's an invitation to joy in this passage. It's our application. Two simple applications, if I could offer them to you. The first is right out of the text, submit. Uh, bow your knee to King Jesus. 
And, and I'm gonna give us time to do it today. This is how we, we're the church. We, we, we do these things in, in recognition of who Christ is. I'm gonna invite you to bow the knee, to acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus. Perhaps there's some in the room, may I say it this way, Jesus is on the periphery of your life. That's not Lord. It may be you repent, it may be, you acknowledge his lordship for the first time or the 10th time, I don't, it, it, whatever, it's you going, he, your Lord. The second thing is confess, and that would be to, to, to confess, to proclaim from your heart your trust in Christ. Now, online, in the room, if there's anyone who's never, if you've never put your trust in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, this is the day. May this be the day. May this be the day that you say, I, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. You were buried, you rose again, and you did it for me. And I trust you as my Lord and Savior. This is a day to do that. We don't, we don't do this a lot. You know, I mean, we, we do, but we don't have like longer invitations and give you that opportunity. But this is so appropriate for this text. that person who made the $25 bet in hopes of 737,000, Monday night football, Detroit, Green Bay, they took Detroit, <laughs> they lost. Well, why? Well, it was an educated guess, right? I mean, at best, it was, I hope this happens. If it does, I get this payoff. No, no, no. Paul tells us, y'all, there's coming a day it's not guesswork, it's not theory. There's coming a day when this will happen. And on that day, far more than $737,000 is at risk. It, it's our eternity. It's life with God forever that we were made for, that begins now on earth but continues forever. That's what's at stake on that day. And may I say the joy that's offered for our eternity, it will cost you nothing, nothing. Because Jesus paid it all as the song goes. Because Jesus paid the price of eternal separation from the Father such that we would never suffer that payment. So if you've never put your trust in Christ, I mean, this is a day you can trust Jesus. With that, I'm gonna invite everyone to stand. Here's how we come out of our messages and we wanna take a moment to reflect and, and I wanna invite you to respond however the spirit leads you. Um, <clears throat> there's kneelers up here and so, and, and you can, on the stairs too, but I wanna encourage you as we sing, if, you, if you've, feel the need, the spirit nudging, then come and bow your knee. Or maybe right where you're sitting, you just turn around and get on your knee, just physically engaged to bow your knee before Christ. I invite you to do that. If you wanna come up here and do it, I'm gonna invite you to come up here and do that. Sometimes you put your body in motion and obedience, trusting the spirit's leading. It may be a, a kneeling of repentance. It may be a kneeling of a simple acknowledgement. For all of us who know Christ, may our song be, because we're gonna sing, may our song be a confession of what we know 
to be true and trust to be true. We're gonna do a, a, a three song. We're gonna do, it's not just gonna be a short moment. So if you come up, just stay up here and pray if you would like. And then I'll come back up and wrap us up in a moment. May our song as we sing now, may it come from a place where we acknowledge from the heart, Jesus Christ is Lord.